Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley. I'm the co-founder of Agenda Media, which is the publisher of Women's Agenda. And I have got on the phone in two different parts of the city, which is basically uh, standard, I think, for the times at the moment. I've got Georgie Dent, our contributing editor on Women's Agenda. How are you, Georgie? I am good and happy to be um, <laughs> in contact with you two. And talking to people. <laughs> and we've also got Shivani Gopal. How are you, Shivani? I am great and equally thrilled to be in contact with the both of you. I think in these times of social isolation, it's uh, it's so exciting to have some kind of, you know, phone contact and just connect with your fellow people. So, so lovely to hear both your voices. Yes, it is. And so we are doing our best with the technology that we are still trying to, I think all of us at the moment are, are really testing the limits of various uh, collaboration tools and uh, video conferencing and various other things. So I have got the podcast equipment with me. So I think I probably sound the most clear at this point and Georgie and Shivani are on the phone. And today we we want to talk about self-care, which is obviously such an important topic at the moment, particularly given how much everything has changed in the last few days and how much our work has changed, our family lives have changed and just how we might be personally feeling at the same time. And also uh, I wanted to share and we will discuss uh, some things about leadership following on from a webinar that I did with Kirsten Ferguson yesterday morning regarding uh, leadership in a crisis and the need for radical transparency and honesty above all else. All else. So, uh, self-care. I, I, I mean, I've given this topic a bit of thought, more thought, I think, than I actually ever have previously. So, um, we want to manage our physical health at the moment, but also our emotional health too. And I don't think I would be alone in saying that I have a kind of a low level uh, level of anxiety bubbling under the surface right now. I do spend a lot of time in the news and following what's going on. So I know that that probably doesn't always help, but at the same time, I do want to have as much information as I can. And we're also being asked, obviously, to uh, do social isolation and to limit, obviously, any physical contact. Many of us are working from home. So this really is a time to, to really be thinking about how we're going to look after ourselves. Um, Georgie, mm. I might start with you. It's, it's, it's obviously such a massive topic for you and it is quite relevant to your book as well. Uh, yes, it is. And I mean, there is so much about, I mean, I think I think what is difficult at the moment is that there are so many um, perspectives on why this is a difficult time because, and, and I think the combined impact is what is particularly daunting because I think we all know there is the health implications of this virus. We know there's the financial ramifications mm -hmm. from um, that have come from actions that are necessary to try and, you know, combat the spread of this. We've also then got the... Um, logistics of how do we manage our life with in changed circumstances what are, what's the right decision to make I think um, probably like a lot of parents I have been in a lot of different minds about what is the appropriate course of action in terms of kids at school mm -hmm. and I think that it just at this particular point in time it's not clear I don't feel exactly what we should be doing um, and, or maybe that's not fair because I think perhaps we, as the days go by, there is more clarity about the fact that keeping as much distance as possible between um, 
our, our families and everybody else. And then also, you know, taking personal hygiene to new levels and being complete Nazis about hand washing are a couple of the sort of fundamental things we can do. But it really does feel to me like life has changed really dramatically, really quickly. And mm-hmm. I think even for people without um, pre-existing mental illness um, or just sort of a pre-existing um, disposition towards anxiety or depression, this is difficult. Mm. Um, I have definitely found that the last week my anxiety has really increased, not necessarily just about the virus, but just I'm, I feel like I'm sort of on edge um, mm. and I'm in sort of a heightened state of awareness. Yeah, yeah, and because there's a mm. lot around this. Um, and so, I mean everyone's in a different situation as well and I think I, I, I think all of us would probably acknowledge that we, we are uh, grateful for the situations we're in, um, you know, because there are people who uh, would uh, be in complete isolation as, uh, if, if, with underlying health issues, older Australians as well, just the level of like just the sheer terror and concern that you feel about your own health. Um, but I think there is an, an added thing about um, your loved ones and your relatives and your grandparents. If you've got relatives overseas, the thought now that you, you probably can't see them for for quite a long time. Um, and I, I know that I've come across people who have had you know parents who are coming out who have had to cancel and they hadn't seen those parents in a couple of years. And so there's little issues like that, even just having family members in the same city as you that you decide that you're going to isolate away from for a period. And sadly, it doesn't look like it's just going to be, you know, one or two weeks and that's it. It's going to be fine. This is quite a long, long hole we're up for. Um, where are you at with this, Shivani? Look, I'm, I'm very similar to what you said in the sense of my, my loved ones, right? So... I think of it as if something happens to me and I were to catch the coronavirus, well, I'm, I'm going to really be quite fine. But it does mean that I can't see my parents, of course, and then there's a whole bunch of, you know, thinking around what if I had it and it was asymptomatic and I had then passed it to my parents. So I'm really concerned about my parents. Mm. Um, and I find myself, you know, over-policing them, actually, where I'm having active arguments with my mum where she's saying, you can't do this to me. I can't live like this. You're just giving me too many rules and orders and, you know, and you can't do this trick with me. And and in some ways we're joking about this as well and seeing the light side of things where I've had a really strict upbringing. So I go, well, now you know what you did to me my whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, this is, you know, this is kind of payback. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's a great deal of seriousness to it in that I, I don't want her exposing herself. I don't want my father exposing himself to situations um, where I feel as though, you know, they um, they could potentially contract um, the coronavirus given their age and given their health. Mm. And um, and that gives me a great deal of anxiety. And I, I think when you, when you think about it, right, in terms of how much change you could possibly expose in your life, there's, there's generally a saying where you need to have, there were three general things that sort of, you know, stick along in your life as, a, as consistency, right? So there's your relationship, there's your work, and there's your health. And there's a whole bunch of things that are packaged into that. So your relationships with your partner, your loved ones, your children, your family, your friends. Mm. Um, there's your work and so your money is tied up in that as well, your, your financial certainty. And then, of course, there's your health. Mm. And the interesting thing about the coronavirus is it's, it's, it's really creating a sense of fear and a sense of uncertainty across all three. Absolutely, Given that yes. people from the, the tourism industry, the hospitality industry, so many industries are having this knock-on effect where it's putting a sense of uncertainty on their work and therefore their income. 
and then they've got a sense of uncertainty with their with their health and um, and then a sense of uncertainty with their relationships and so when you've got all three th- three things being you know, sort of thrown up in the air, it's like, well, where do I turn? What's my sense? Of, where's my security blanket? What do I sort of, you know, stay stagnant on to keep me going? And I've, I've been thinking really hard about this. And I've got to say, yesterday was a really unproductive day for me. And the both of you know, and I'm sure regular listeners now know this too, that I'm a productivity junkie, right? Mm-hmm. I, I pride <laughs> myself on, you know, getting the shit done, right? And, and yesterday, I just got caught up in reading and reading the news and this morning I just thought it's got to stop I need to take care of my mental state so that I can push forward Mm. so you know the the advice that I would have you know for everyone is practice as much gratitude as you can and and gratitude we know is is one of the key things that helps us take stock of all the stuff that's good in our lives but it also helps us feel happier right it's a great way to synthesize happiness. And in times like this, when the three core periods of our life are feeling really uncertain, I found a way to make it happen by changing my language. So I've, I've personally struggled with doing my morning meditation and my gratitude around thinking about a couple of things that I'm really grateful for. And whenever that happens, I, I go really small. I'm grateful for the hot shower. I'm grateful for the tea that I'm sipping on right now, the luxury that I have to, to go and do that. So obviously my entire team, it's a remarkable woman and up through all working from home. And so I say to myself, I'm so lucky that I have a home office in which I can work from. I'm so lucky that I'm in a position where I can say to both my teams, I want you to go work from home and that the businesses can still run, you know, things like that. So by changing my language, I'm able to practice gratitude. And I'm able to sort of create a sense of stability, at least in my mind, where I can keep going forward. Mm, mm. I think that's, yeah, that, that's, that's really good, that changing the language and looking for all the things that you can be grateful for. And I think that over time we'll, we will get better at that during this period as well, as we kind of get used mm. to and more accustomed to the uncertainty. Um, we'll get better to thinking about the, the, the good pieces and starting to value a little bit more about what, what we have at home and what we can do. Um, one of yeah, my. Think, oh, sorry. No, I was. I was just going to say. I think one of the things that I think we have to be really um, accommodating, not just to others but to ourselves, in this adjustment, because yeah. it, I think that this is a this is a very new scenario for a lot of us. In that our lives have and our routines have changed quite dramatically, and routine is something that you know the vast majority of us need as as a sort of comfort, I suppose. You know, humans, we get a lot yeah. of um, comfort from, from patterns and the routines that we're in. And I think most people can relate to that, that, um, you know, it, while it's nice to have a holiday and have time where you don't have to have a routine, it, this is quite an unusual situation where for a lot of us, our routine has changed quite differently, um, quite quickly. And we're not in a scenario where we can just say to ourselves, okay, well, for two weeks, everyone's going to work from home mm. and this is how it's going to look. I mean, that also... I would also like to acknowledge the fact that working from home is completely impossible for a lot of people mm-hmm. and I feel very grateful to be in a, in a job where I can work remotely. Um, I yeah. think like a lot of other people, because I do, you know, I work for Women's Agenda, but I obviously have other work and, you know, like a lot of freelancers, basically every speaking mm-hmm. job, um, every so much of my freelance work has completely dried up overnight. And the thing is, I'm at this point grateful that, I can share the cost of living with someone who's actually employed and has all of the benefits that go with that, as in he'll get a paycheck every fortnight. Um, 
you know, and and, and I, I recognise it in households where you haven't got that, where it is a, you know, either they're business owners or both of you are freelance, then that's a really stressful scenario. And mm-hmm. I think it is, I think gratitude is always um, helpful and valuable, but I also think we should just be gentle in that I think a few of us are going to have some days where it's harder to be, you know, and I think, Shivani, you're having yeah. a day where you're not productive. I think that's perfectly human because we are in uncertain times and it would be, it's it sort of, it's crazy in a way to expect that we could be productive in the way we normally are because we're not looking down the barrel of a month or a week or, you know, three months where we can predict what exactly is going to happen. Mm, mm. Yeah, look, you're very right. And I think that when it comes to anxiety, I was just reflecting on this when we, you know, Angela, you were mentioning it as well, is, and this is so important across the board, right? But especially now, given that everyone's going through it, but we still have this overall societal expectation that we don't talk about the deep, dark stuff. And we don't talk about our mental health openly as much as we should be. We're not sharing that. And now more so than ever, there are so many of us who are experiencing this level of uncertainty and anxiety and, and possibly, you know, greater mental health issues around that. And so, you know, talking, going back to that concept of being the leader, being the leader in that conversation as well, and actively talk about the fact that you're, you're experiencing anxiety, share your story, because when you're doing that with other people in your own social network, even if you're socially isolating, you know, pick up the phone and call somebody, mm-hmm. because not only are you being able to unburden yourself and, you know, start to make sense of what's going through simply by talking about it out loud, but you probably can help someone else deal with their anxiety too by letting them open up and share it as well. And I think that's a great way to collectively ease the burden. Yeah, exactly. I think the... There's, there's a number of pieces to that. There's, so first of all, there's this, um, we're all, I've never felt more connected to people than I do right now and connected to people um, regardless of the distance and the borders and uh, the time zones because it's never before have we been in a situation where we really can imagine what's going on in households and, and homes all around the world because it, it can be very similar to what's going on in our own. And you see that as, um, you know, if you follow different people around the world on social media, you see that they're grappling with the same thing. They're learning to adjust to huge changes in their routine as well. It's definitely not a a local situation. It's very much a global problem. And I, I find a bit of comfort in the idea that we are all in this together. Um, and I saw that there was this beautiful quote that uh, China had um, put on the medical supplies and face masks that they sent to Italy last week. Um, they put in the quote that, you know, we are waves of the same sea, leaves of the same tree and flowers of the same garden. It just made it so clear that we really are all at one within this. Um, and that interconnectedness, I've been trying to really tap into it in terms of my network and even just getting a little bit vulnerable, as I think I did with you, Shivani, on the weekend when, you know, I just felt, I just, like, I just need to just reach out and talk to somebody and just say, hey, business is kind of tough. I never thought that this could happen so quickly. Um, and just to try and hear it from other business owners, if that's what you're doing, or other freelancers or people in your industry, just to, just to reach out and be open about what you're experiencing because, you, you, you might find that they are experiencing something similar, but regardless, they're going to send back some encouragement and something to make you feel better at this point to make you aware that they are there for you as well. I found that um, I've been connecting a lot with different circles and friends and just checking in with people and finding that people are checking in with me and just levels of communication that we haven't done <laughs> at that point for, for quite a long time. So 
I feel like I'm kind of catching up with people even though I'm not in in person and I'm finding that a real really big part of my own self-care. It would be great to hear some other tips on self-care from from you Georgie and you Shivani maybe starting with you Georgie. Yeah I think that um, I think that feeling of interconnectedness and sort of closeness um, and the fact that we are there is solidarity in the fact that we're all going through this I think that is a really positive um of feeling to tap into because I have felt the same thing and I you know just yesterday I sent something out on Twitter just asking about toilet paper because having not hoarded any and not being able to buy any for three and a half weeks we were getting quite low and the number of people that offered even people I've never met from different parts of the country who offered to send some to me and I just sort of thought you know and I've seen so much of that there has been you know, for all of the, uh, there certainly has been some nastiness and some sort of stuff happening in supermarkets that's pretty hard to fathom. But I think more than that, there has been an incredible sort of coming together of communities. And I feel like, um, it's you know, people are now predominantly working from home a lot. You know, people are back in their communities. The kids have got less on. So I think in some ways the world is really shrinking. And one of the ways to cope is to sort of just lean into that and to recognise that it's going to be a different time. And, you know, you might not be able to catch up with people the way that you would, but um, because of technology, we can have FaceTime conversations. We can have phone conversations. I think there's been, I've noticed it here just on our streets, you know, um, every time I've gone to the shops, if I've seen anyone else out on the street, I sort of say, does anybody need anything? Um, and I think I've seen those sorts of interactions. You know, I've seen so many things on social media where people are writing notes to the, you know, people in their apartment building saying, you know, I've got this, does anyone need this? Um, and I think it is easy to forget sometimes that we are actually all in this together. Mm. And I think that mm. at the moment, um, I guess, I guess the other thing that I would say for self-care, a couple of really practical things. I have been um, exercising quite a bit and that's, I'm very grateful that I can exercise because for a long time I was dealing with chronic pain that meant I couldn't. And every single time I either go out for a walk, I'm lucky where I live that there's a big sort of um, nature reserve where I can walk without any worries and it just is so good for my mental health. The other thing, and particularly when it's been really wet, is I would just, suggest people look online for exercise routines because mm. <laughs> there is, you can type in anything whether you know sometimes I'm doing like a 10 minute cardio workout or sometimes it's a 40 minute strength workout if you want to do dancing if you want to do boxing ballet yoga like you can do anything in your living room yeah um up with the, up with the collaboration so tools true. and tech that those companies are killing it right now so yeah exactly <laughs> um but and I I guess the other thing is if we just sort of um, I think there has to be a degree of accepting that this is happening, that it's not going to change. I mean, I know just on a really micro level, you know, all of our kids have had disappointments. Our youngest, we were going to have a little birthday party for her this weekend, which obviously mm. we can't do. Um, the kids, all their sports been cancelled. All, you know, the music at school's been cancelled. Assemblies have been cancelled. And, you know, we've had social events cancelled and it's like, you know, on one level it is really disappointing and I think it's okay to say that's disappointing but it's also, I think it's going to be easier if we all just accept that we're in a different time right now. It's not business as usual and we have to make different decisions and I think trying to go with that rather than sort of push up against it and, and expect things to be how they have been, I think it's going to be better for everybody's mental health if you sort of just 
accept that we are in a, in a strange time and we are going to have to make decisions that are different um, to what we might make in other circumstances. Mm, exactly, exactly. Maybe the time for a new hobby or something new that you can do at home, maybe that new exercise routine, whatever it is. I can also, actually, I saw something yesterday that um, validates something that I have always thought, and that is that baking and cooking is actually a really good um, mental health tool because of the zone Absolutely. that you go into. You just and need to be able I to get the flour, Georgie. That's <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Okay, flour is hard, but also even cooking savoury dishes, vegetables. I just I feel like there is something quite therapeutic about that, and it's something that, um, given we are all at home, probably a lot more than usual. You know, cooking is necessary. Um, so yeah, I would say exercise is great. Keeping in touch with people, accepting that this is different times, and cooking. There's just a few ideas for self care. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I wanted to mention a few more just in the context of having kids at home as well because um, a lot of people are choosing to keep their kids home from school. Some schools have closed. We may see more widespread school closures as well. And that obviously brings up a whole other scenario in, as well as, you know, obviously that includes childcare centres, preschools and, and other kindergartens as well. So having kids at home while you're trying to work I mean, you just have to be able to give yourself a break through there somewhere. Um, and, I mean, it's it's going to be exhausting, unfortunately. But, again, I think we need to be able to lean on each other and, and see where maybe you can share resources and share ideas on things you can do with your kids, share ideas on, on little uh, homeschooling ideas, self-learning ideas, great videos, uh, things that can just mm. keep keep them up. And, you know, we've also looked at – we've talked a lot about what we'll do – in, in, in that kind of situation as well where um, we, we have had our kids home a couple of days this week and we just decided that we've got to make sure that we really have a clear routine down to the hour, that it's not just this never-ending yeah. school holiday where you can't actually do any school holiday activities because that's kind of the reality. You can't exactly go to the movies at this point or take the kids to a trampoline yeah. park or even to the local playground if, you, if you're trying to be, take this really, really seriously, which we want to. So... You, you do need to find a lot of things that can be done at home. Um, so I might move on now. I wanted to also just – I mean, it, it is a very relevant topic as well um, – not relevant, a related topic, a related part of this discussion, that is to look at leadership and leadership in a crisis. Um, a few things that were just coming to my mind as we were talking through that part of the conversation on, on self-care was the idea about um, – you know, we keep getting told not to panic and not to worry about the supermarkets being empty of various goods and and things. You know, it has gone obviously a lot further than than toilet paper. And it feels like the message is just, you know, you, you're all being selfish and bad and, you know, just stop panicking and stop worrying about it. And I, I kind of think like there is, there is a bigger point there that what if, you know, maybe people need something more than that to be able to stop panicking because you can understand why... If you have, if it has been a couple of weeks since you've seen a roll of toilet paper on the toilet paper aisle of the supermarkets, you think, oh, I yeah. sort of thought this was they had, you know, this yeah. is like, you, like you can understand why people might be nervous and uncomfortable about this, especially if it's not realistic to drive around to different supermarkets and to constantly check back in to get what you need. So um, that has, I mean, a little bit of that has come up in the context of a a, a, a podcast. I mean a a webinar that I did with Dr. Kirsten Ferguson yesterday and it did follow a um, just an excellent piece that she wrote um, 
regarding the need for radical transparency and honesty at this point. And she referenced that in in a general context and the idea that, you know, all of us who are any kind of leader, no matter what we're, if it's we're leading in a school, in our families, if we're leading a team, a business, whatever, that at the end of the day, it's that that honesty and transparency that is really going to help people through this and this is a crisis and nobody has been through it really before not to this extent we don't actually know how we're supposed to to necessarily lead through this it is hard we're still trying to figure it out requires making hard decisions Um, but at the end of the day we need to get really honest and transparent with with teams and whoever we lead Shivani what do you think of that did you get a chance to have a look at the article that Kirsten wrote I did, and I, I could not agree more. I think that in times of crisis, we need clear leadership. And um, I, I think that in, in the lack of what we're seeing of leadership right now, I think everyone needs to accept the fact that, you know, now more so than ever, um, is that we are all leaders in our own right. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, who we are or, you know, what level of confidence we feel today what our job title is, we are all leaders. And importantly, we're all self-leaders of the narratives of our, and writers of the narratives of our own lives, right? And this is a time to actually accept that and pick that up and, you know, be the leader for other people. When you feel that people are going through times of anxiety and uncertainty like we are now, you know, do so, you know, pick up the phone and, um, and you know, give them a call and, and give them the information that they need. It's similar to workplaces as well. I think it's so important. I mean, right now, I'm assuming that everyone's inbox is being filled to the brim with COVID-19 updates from different organisations telling you, you know, what they're doing. Are they doing that for their employees as well? Because I think that's what needs to happen right now on a, on a daily basis. Here is what's happening today so that it gives people that sense of this is something that I can... I can look forward to, I can latch on to, and it will give me a degree of certainty of, of, of knowing what's happening. I think that that relates to both Kirsten and Sam Moyson's point around being one one for the truth as well. So, um, mm. you know, leaders need to get out there and do, you know, a morning video, a morning email, dispel rumours, especially. I mean, this morning I woke up to rumours that the entire country was about to shut down, mm. um, you know, just before Scott Morrison's address. Um, and, of course, that wasn't the case. I've been getting text messages from people frantically saying schools are shutting down. That is still not the case. Mm. So I think it's so important that um, not only do we you know, encourage people to, you know, to quell down the panic and, not to, and to not spread it, but we also have you know, leaders everywhere coming out and saying, this is the fact that we know, but also trust people to handle the facts. Don't yeah. sugarcoat it. Tell them as it is and let them deal with it. Or put that as part of your message. Here are the facts and here's how I would deal with it. And you can do you can too. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think also, you know, there's that funny meme that has always been going around about, you know, in the history of the world, telling someone to calm down has never made anybody calm down um, because it's, I think, and it's exactly the same when it comes to panic and you say, oh, just don't mm. panic. That alone is, is never going to um, sort of quell someone's unease. What will help people feel more certain? Is, is information and, and information that they believe they can trust. And I think um, the press conference that Scott Morrison did um, on Wednesday morning today, earlier today, I think was the best um, sort of presentation of information that we've had from the government since this um, coronavirus sort of pandemic began. I think that he took time to to speak, I, I noticed a real change in his demeanour. He seemed to be much mm. more, um, he, he seemed much more sincere and 
genuine, I think, than I've seen him speak on a number of occasions. And Mm -hmm. I I personally found that actually quite reassuring. And I think they went through the information quite clearly about the situation with schools, which I think um, is really useful because like a lot of parents, I have been living in this sort of limbo of Mm -hmm. thinking, right, are they about to do a mass shutdown? And, you know, now... I, I feel like I understand why at this stage they are they are not closing schools, and I think that it's valid to say that the disruption that would occur from the widespread shutting of schools, given we are potentially going to be in this zone for six months, yeah, that's not feasible. I can I can totally understand why they are not saying we're going to shut schools right now because to do so for six months would be catastrophic in so many other areas, um, and I think also the fact that they spoke about the fact that there's no plans at this point for there to be a sort of mass lockdown like we are seeing in, in Italy and like we saw in China. I think it's just good for people to have information about where we are, where things are right now. Mm. I would like um, to instead see... Instead of guesswork. Yeah, my... I, I, and he, I didn't actually watch this morning's press conference. I did watch the one on Friday, which I thought was terrible, um, oh, because yeah. I think it's a real issue problem if you go out there saying one thing but then you're actively sort of demonstrating another thing. So if you're out there, obviously yeah. in that case that was regarding the shutdown of um, events with more than 500 people that would happen the following Monday and then hearing the Prime Minister say at that time that he still intended on going to an NRL game on the weekend. I mean that very quickly changed within the space of hours but I just thought that is sending the wrong message. We can't you need to actively demonstrate the things that you're saying. So from what I've seen and read about what he said today, it seemed like maybe he has been showing a lot more concern. Um, Maybe he has a lot more awareness of the extent of the situation. It certainly seemed like a very different Prime Minister to the one we saw on Friday and the one that we've seen predominantly in, in situations where I would say he has presented as being quite defensive. And I think that when someone is defensive... You can't help then but sort of question the information that you're being delivered and particularly when there is a disconnect between what you're saying and what you're doing, um, Mm. which we saw very clearly on Friday. Um, I think that today it was definitely a better performance and I certainly came away from it feeling quite informed. That doesn't mean to say that it sort of has alleviated all of the concerns I have, but I feel a little bit more certain about what the plan right now is that may change but I think it is um, I feel better today for having a more clear picture of, of where we're at. What I would like to see and Sam Austin did bring this up on Q&A on Monday night um, probably in different forms what I'm about to suggest but is she she you know she called it a single source of truth amid the crisis which is really important and you know having a health professional somebody with really great communication skills get up there and provide that single source of truth Um, but from the prime minister and maybe from other leaders in different businesses as well what I'd like to say is see is them say you know every day at this time I'm going to get up and address and share the latest information that we have and the latest things that we're doing and I want to know what time that's going to happen so I can expect it because at the moment the press conferences are called sort of yeah, I get a notification for them and I find out it's in kind of the next half hour or so and I'll sit down and watch it. But other than that, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, when are they next going to come out and announce you know, possibly more measures or give us another update? Yeah. Or when can I find out the latest information to see if 
we've had a big jump and spike in cases in New South Wales and or maybe some reassurance that we haven't had that big spike in, in cases. But I, I don't feel like that's right. in the cards. That's right. I, I think that's so important because we are living in such uncertain times right now. And if we could just have some level of certainty, I think that's a fantastic point. I think you, you need to, you know, write, write something and push it out there um, on this that, you know, every day at, you know, at 9am, the government comes out and talks about the state of play or, you know, state governments, you know, come out and talk about state of play um, so that we can, you know, rely on it and a single source of truth. And it's also, um, if you say, you know, how many people are being diagnosed, have there been, you know, um, a, a, um, an attrition in, in the number of cases, you know, what, what are we looking at and so forth? Because I personally felt really teased when, you know, Scott Morrison today in, in his press conference talked about the fact that they are indeed looking at further economic support for businesses and individuals. We've been seeing that through the media for the last couple of days through the, you know, through various articles, but it was great to hear it from himself directly. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it again gives us a great level of certainty. Okay, we've got to wait a week and we'll find out what's happening from, you know, an economic perspective in terms of funding for everyone. Um, mm. So it's a, a brilliant point. I completely agree. Okay, well, to end on. Yeah, and I oh, think. Sorry, Georgie. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that one of the things that Sam Lawson, you know, was talking about on Q&A on Monday was that, you know, the role that we had Shane Fitzsimmons during the bushfires mm. playing. And I think he was a he was such a reassuring presence and voice during that crisis. And I think it exactly is that's exactly what is needed is really regular information being provided from someone who is speaking in a way that Australians can relate to, um, you know, in a way that they feel like we can trust the information that we're being given and we know that we will be kept informed as we need to be. Mm. Um, I think that in itself, just the knowledge that that would be happening, I think would be enough to um, improve the sort of mental state of a lot of Australians currently. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, Mm. to finish off, I think... I thought it would be good, and I might be putting you a bit on the spot here, but I'm sure you can each think of something. But uh, just to share an example of you know something good that you've seen in the last few days in response to what's going on. So whether that be something that a business is doing, or um, that an individual is doing, or somebody on the street that you met. Any any clear ideas or examples that you have there, Georgie? Right. Well, I mean, I, I did give the example earlier that I still. I'm, I'm quite blown away by the kindness and generosity of strangers on mm-hmm. Twitter yesterday when I put a call out um, for help. I think, you know, this is a bit of an obvious one, but I think that the supermarkets have done a really good job at trying to take practical steps to um, ensure that the hoarding is not causing as many problems. I think I know the hour designated to elderly um, and vulnerable members of community hasn't been as successful as they hoped, but I think that the fact that they so quickly tried that and have said we're going to shut stores at 8 o'clock so that we can, at night, so that we can restock shelves, I think that's quite heartening to see really big businesses sort of getting innovative and acting quickly uh, around what are the sorts of things that they can do to make this easier for Australians. Mm. 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 What about you, Shivani? Yeah, so there's, there's two things. I mean, I, you know, I'm working on a number of Facebook groups and a number of them are for, you know, founders groups and, you know, small business owners and so forth. And I have really appreciated this sense of community with everyone coming together saying, everyone's from the latest update. Here's how you can actually, um, you know, 
um, the council uh, for Indigenous Stimulus um, package that's been out, you know, by um, Dr. Scott back last, last week. Um, does anyone know what, you know, the, you know, what the ACO has said recently? Does anyone know what Africa has been talking about recently? And so there's been this great sort of level of camaraderie and just helping everyone short circuit all of this and get straight to the heart of the information and actually, you know, help themselves and help their businesses. And I just, I just found that incredibly helpful. Um, and, um, and, and also the, the second thing that I found is that, um, in the around I've been feeling really connected with friends and family lately, just, you know, reaching out and checking in to see if we're okay and we're doing the same. And everyone's just been really open about their emotions. And I think that's so rare and it, and it does really, you know, increase vulnerability and there's really connectedness and, um, and connection with everyone. And I've been really thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with everything that has been said. I did see one little thing come off on Twitter earlier where I think it was from Stephen Duckett and he suggested that we should think of it as being spatial isolation over social isolation because it's not actually isolation. We are yeah. doing our utmost to be connected during all this. And the other one I wanted to point out was one that we just shared um, on Women's Agenda and um, just amongst ourselves and we'll probably publish something on it shortly, but on the Prime Minister of Norway, Ernest Solberg, who got out, and I think this comes back to what we're talking about in terms of being you know, honest and open and getting out and sharing the information. She's done a press conference that's only for children and she took dozens of questions from various children through various uh, kid-related media outlets and she stood there with a couple of ministers and answered all these great questions that came through, everything from, you know, will we... How are we going with finding a vaccine? Why can't we see our grandparents or should we stay away from our grandparents to, you know, it, is it why can't I have a birthday party? Just you know, those sorts of concerns that will come up from kids. And I just thought that was really, really wonderful and nice to see. So Georgie and Shivani, I will uh, let you return to your uh, spatial isolation um, and enjoy the afternoon ahead, hopefully with a little bit of sunshine. So thank you so much for the chat. Thank you. Thank you. So good to chat. And thank you for joining us once again. Um, so you have been listening to the Women's Agenda podcast. This is a podcast by Agenda Media. We are the publisher of Women's Agenda. Just a reminder that if you do like what you're hearing and you did make it that far, this far, so I suspect that maybe you do, then please uh, leave us a review and a rating as we would really love to see that build up. It really helps. And a reminder also that we do send out a newsletter just before lunchtime featuring all the latest updates from Women's Agenda. <laughs>